Welcome to the Cap Gemini North America Corporate Social Responsibility Podcast. My name is Janet Pope and I am the CSR Director for the U.S. and Canada. I look forward to engaging with each of you on diversity, digital inclusion, and sustainability challenges and initiatives. Let's lead as architects of positive futures together. Hello, all, and welcome to Ola's Hispanic Heritage Month podcast series. I am Giselle Beliapa. I will be your host today. I have been with Capgemini for 10 years in multiple various roles throughout the organization. I am currently in the infrastructure practice, and I am also one of the national co-leads for the Ola ERG, which stands for Hispanic Opportunity Leadership Achievement. And we're using this platform to embrace and extend knowledge of Hispanic Latino culture and how that impacts our day-to-day life in technology. And with that said, I would like to present our speaker for today, our guest, um, Salomon Salinas. We know him as Saul. He is an executive vice president at Capgemini, running and owning the sustainability lead practice. He is an expert in the field of corporate sustainability and digital transformation. He comes with 25 years of experience and one of the big initiatives he was one of the founders for in the Energy Star program, as well as has led multiple lateral partnerships related to global climate change, clean air, water and sanitation, and solid and nuclear waste. So Saul, you come with a long, extensive profile. We are very happy to have you here today. And Saul is also one of our executive sponsors for OLA. So we are just so eager to hear what you have to say about all for Hispanic Heritage Month. And so welcome. Great. Thank you, Giselle, for having me. And, and thank you for uh, for giving me the opportunity to speak. And muchísimas gracias. I've, um, I've been here almost as long as you, 10 months as opposed to 10 years. Uh, but uh, absolutely delighted to be part of the Capgemini family and part of the Capgemini group and, of course, part of Ola as well. Well, thank you. And with that said, I wanted to kind of get a sense of who you are, what makes Saul Saul, but mostly what has molded you into the person that you are today? Well, thank you for the question. You know, I um, just maybe the best way to start that is to give you a little bit of my own personal background. I was born in Managua, Nicaragua. My mother was a, a, a German girl of 18, and my father was a, a Nicaraguan um, a diplomat, if you will, and, and uh, swept her off her feet when they met in East Berlin. And he brought her to, to, to Nicaragua and, uh, and swiftly abandoned her. They had uh, three young boys, so I have two brothers, one older and one younger, and were left in many ways wandering the streets of Managua trying to um, find places to sleep, trying to find ways to eat trying to find ways to play, et cetera. So we were at the mercy of friends and friends of friends, if you will. And, and so, you know, that experience has, has clearly shaped who I am today. One of the things that I sort of remember is, uh, is uh, how grateful I was to folks that didn't know us, who helped us in, who helped us eat and, and, uh, and play, as I mentioned earlier. So, you know, that experience in, in Nicaragua is an experience that I continue to remember almost every day. I came to the U.S. with a bag 
one bag only, along with my two brothers. And when I arrived in the United States, it was uh, I was quite uh, intimidated, to be perfectly honest with you. It was the land of the giants. Everything mm -hmm. about the United States was big, large, and intimidating. And uh, I remember when we first landed at the airport in Miami, it was just this enormous place. I had never seen anything like it. And the people were tall, and the cars were large. And everything was just larger than life. And and uh, to this day, I remember that. And and uh, I try to remain remain humble and kind and appreciative of everything that I do. So that that experience has has shaped me. And and I, as I mentioned, I think about that almost every day. Sal, I think so many of our of our listeners could relate to that. I call it una maleta travel, right? Where we where we traveled and migrated to various countries, you know, for us, the U.S., really with one maleta, I saw that coming, you know, my parents, well, we had five because we were five people, but the challenges that happen as you migrate to a new country. So thank you for sharing. From those experiences, what made you start thinking differently as you kind of started growing up? And was there a turning point that you made to truly believe in yourself and your potential? I spent the first several years, Giselle, of my life, elementary school, middle school, and high school, feeling as though I wasn't worthy to be here. Uh, perhaps because of the experience of my parents, uh, certainly because of the experience of being in Nicaragua and arriving in this amazing place, was, which was the U.S., I, I really felt like I wasn't worthy to be here, and I felt inferior in many ways. And so there were several things over the course of my young life that began to sort of a shift that thinking in me. I started playing soccer very early and, and I was discovered, if you will, by a friend. And uh, that became my sanctuary in many ways. You know, on the soccer field, it's 11 players and they're all equal. And it doesn't matter where they come from. And we had a team in, in Northern Virginia that, um, that you know, came from all different backgrounds. And so that sport, that experience, the soccer practices became my refuge and became my place where I sort of began to recognize myself, perhaps not even just as equal, but perhaps better than others, at least in that sport. So that was one turning point. The other turning point, you know, my mother, after we, we had arrived here and, and spent several years, married an American. And as it happens, he was about six foot ten. He was oh. a giant and he was one of the giants that I would became intimidated by, of course, when I first arrived. Mm -hmm. And I do recall a conversation that we had over dinner a couple of years, perhaps after they had gotten married. And, uh, you know, we, I don't remember exactly what prompted the concern for myself or my brothers, but he gave us a lecture and he said, don't ever forget what I'm about to tell you. All three of you are gods. And he didn't mean that in a religious sense. He meant that in the sense of you have the ability to create, to shape your own futures, perhaps impact the futures of others around you. You have great potential to be very successful in this world and you belong here and you deserve to be here. And in that sense, you have, you know, you have just great potentials as human beings. And that became quite the wake up call. So imagine the scenario where up until then mm -hmm. I had felt not worthy, felt shorter perhaps smaller in many ways than those around me. And, and all of a sudden I had this six foot 10 giant tell me, telling me that I was a God. That was a big turning point for me. Wow, that's so beautiful. And in thinking about that, we have, you know, we have the path now and, you know, I see my small children, right? And how do you keep those roots and how do you, you know, continue to live a way where you remember your past? And so, you know, within our audience, we have, right, we have Hispanics, Latinos, third century and and generations Latinos here in the, in the U.S. 
And then, you know, maybe first generation, maybe those that just came here for college. And so what does it mean to you to be authentic Latino? So, so I, in the in the interest of full disclosure, uh, disclosure, Giselle, I had three, six children over two marriages. <laughs> <laughs> so the carbon footprint of my family when we get together for Thanksgiving or Christmas is pretty significant. I'm trying to make it up for that, uh, you know, <laughs> pro- pro- professionally in my work. But in any case, I think one thing that, of course, that I've always always made it a priority to do was to make sure that my my children, by the way, all of whom are blonde for some reason, they all sort of take to take uh, the side, the German side of the family. So you mm-hmm. would never know that they're, they're, they're from Nicaragua originally or their father was. But in any case, I have reminded them from the oldest who's now 30 to my youngest who's four, where they came from. And I brought them all back to Nicaragua. And we've, we've driven the back roads and we've gone to the lakes and we've gone to the beach. And, and I've made sure that, that we speak Spanish at home and that they speak Spanish and all of them do. And, uh, you know, of course, the older ones better than the younger ones. But that is one thing. You know, related to that is to, to to stay connected to your home in any way, shape or form. I mean, as, as, as I've said to people that, uh, you know, any opportunity that I have to say it is, uh, you know, we are all individuals. And those of us who are Latinos, you know, have a heritage that is worthy of celebrating, celebrating. You know, we dif- we are sort of operating in very uh, difficult times in many ways. But the diversity that we bring, the perspectives that we bring, either from Ecuador or Managua or Mexico is unique and valuable and so needed in this community in this day and age in the United States. So I would sort of invite you to stay connected with your cousins, with your uncles, with your aunts, with your grandparents and siblings, or perhaps parents who are still there. Um, We owe it to ourselves, we owe it to them, we owe it to our community, and we certainly owe it to our colleagues here in the United States who perhaps don't have that perspective. You know, I've said so many times, Giselle, that the value of disparate perspectives is clear, right? I mean, the last thing that you would want in a meeting is for everyone to sort of come from the same place and nod in violent agreement on a decision. You know, I think having that healthy discourse and discussion and certainly bringing our own heritage to bear, is just very important. Right. I couldn't agree with you more. And then as we're talking about IT professions, where we come from, consulting firms, technology, what do you think is the responsibility that we have? And I read an article that it's five, less than 10%, more close to 5 of positions that are held by Latinos in technology. And, you know, I I thought that was a very small percentage. And what do you think is the responsibility for us, right, um, to our fellow Latinos in our communities? Great, great question. I think the first thing that we each have to do, and if you're listening to the recording, I would just urge you to sort of, you know, maybe pause and think about how you can go about this. But the first thing is to become smart about these smart technologies. You know, I mean, we live in a magical age. And in a prior life, when I was at Accenture, I oversaw our global smart infrastructure work and uh, certainly the sustainability of the work that we that we intend to do here at Capgemini will be guided by the magic of these new digital transformation technologies. So become smart on those, number one. Number two is realize that those technologies just aren't available to all of us in our communities. You know, there's a term that's used in the trade, the digital divide. And the digital divide is very real, that the opportunities that come from the magic of these technologies, IoT and broadband, et cetera, aren't available 
to some of those who similarly come from where we come for whatever reason, for price reasons, for location reasons, et cetera. So uh, number one is I would become smart and I would try to sort of maybe brainstorm with yourself as to how you can help advance, you know, these technologies and narrow that digital divide within your community, Latino community in some way. And if you're interested in doing that, I would be happy to have that conversation with you. So please reach out. The other thing with respect to Capgemini, there's two sides of it. One, one is the supply, right? I would sort of encourage you, any of our colleagues at Capgemini, you know, who are in sort of in a position to find talent, to look for Latino talent across the major universities that target Latinos, or perhaps are, are, are located where our communities are. There's several universities in the state of California, for example, that have imagined a population of, of you know, greater than 50%. Of, of Latinos. Um, the University of California, Bakersville, for example, uh, the University of Texas, San Antonio, et cetera, have a very strong academic reputation and strong presence of Latinos. The same thing with other minorities, of course, as you might suspect. I would argue as Latinos, we also have a responsibility to help our fellow minorities. There's several universities across the United States that, of course, are at the top end of their of the academic rankings, including, you know, Spellman and Howard and others that, of course, you know, are, are geared towards African-Americans and, and females as well. There's been several universities. So number one is uh, become smart with the technologies. Number two is find ways to sort of narrow that digital divide within on your own communities. And number three is to, you know, all of us to see if we can find talent, future talent for Capgemini, you know, at those at those universities. The final thing I would say on this one, it's super, super important, Giselle, and that is to work with our clients mm-hmm. and our teams to emphasize the point that with diversity comes improved uh, thinking, processing, performance, et cetera. You know, that the more diverse our teams are, uh, the, the, the more likely you are to get an exciting outcome that meets the needs of whether it's our clients, our colleagues, or our communities. So let's take the opportunity as Latinos to sort of educate ourselves and our clients and our ecosystem partners on that notion. And by the way, don't trust me on that. I mean, I think if you just do a simple Google search on that, you'll find several studies, hundreds of studies that have documented the productivity gains of diversity in groups. Right. I think, you know, speaking about the pandemic, we saw the digital divide, right? We saw where where some folks didn't even have internet and they couldn't finish their school activities. And so I think, you know, just being aware of that divide, number one, and number two, great actions to take forward, starting from the young and just providing the internet, then going into college and high schools and really doing the correct recruiting that we need to do to show that diversity. So thank you for that. I'm going to change it up a little bit here because in getting ready for the podcast, I asked some of our OLA ERG members to bring forth their questions. So I'm going to um, take those from them. So the first question was, you said something recently, listen to listen and not listen to respond. And I'm going to read that exactly as they asked so we can get the full verbiage of what they meant. Not to generalize, but most Latinos are passionate about what they like and to do, and the energy and excitement comes across in that way. Have you ever experienced a situation in which you had to change the way you communicate with others? So switching from English to Spanish, let's say. And are there any specific tips for your Hispanic Latino counterparts that struggle with communicating the same message, but to different audiences? Yeah. 
So let me, a couple ways to answer that. I think the first thing that I would say, Giselle, is I think all of you who are listening to me are here for a reason. You're here because you're a part of a select group. You know, we, we represent, you know, one out of a hundred, perhaps one of a thousand. There's probably, you know, the, uh, thousands of folks who would like to be where you are. So as consultants, as advisors to clients and our colleagues, we like to speak. We like to share our knowledge. That is why we're here. And I'm certainly that way. So when I say listen to hear and listen to comprehend and not listen to respond, what I mean is, uh, and this is something I tell my teams and I've told my teams for years, the single most important thing we can do as advisors is to hear and to be comfortable in silence or to be comfortable in just in just listening and understanding and resisting the temptation to immediately come up with a solution and believe me i've been there i like solutioning but you would be amazed at the magic that takes place by simply hearing someone and perhaps allowing them to form their own solution and owning it number one number two I can say this because I'm Latino, I'm from Managua. We like to talk and we do it quickly. It's just the language we speak. Right. And certainly in, in, in Central America, you know, we're very lazy in our grammar. And so we come out with things very, very quickly. And we like to be sort of effusive in the way we talk. And that's a very good thing, by the way. Enthusiasm is one of the most powerful glues and, and qualities of a leader, in my opinion, to inject and infuse that enthusiasm. But I would sort of, you know, urge you to, in instances where you feel the urge to share, to do it more slowly, perhaps. To do it more methodically, perhaps. To time your interventions, perhaps, a little bit more. Be yourself, but also, you know, do it in a more slow, methodical manner and do it at the right time. You know, I, I was videotaped years ago. It's probably not that long ago, six years ago. I was doing some training as a managing director in a prior life. And uh, and there was a discussion around presentation styles. And I remember the instructor looking at me before he took the, 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 the started the recording and said, I want you to go as slow <laughs> as possible. All right. And I said, I will. And we proceeded to record and then we played it back. And I couldn't believe how quickly I was going. So listen to hear and speak slower, perhaps twice as slow as you think you're speaking and you'll be amazed at the results. Wow, I'm, I'm listening and I'm smiling while I hear your words because I'm, you know, I came here when I was young. I was five years old and I immediately got thrown in kindergarten. And back in those days, there was no ESL. They just threw you in there. And so, you know, when I go back to Ecuador and I speak to grandma and I speak to the whole family, I am so slow, but not purposely, only because I don't have the enthusiasm I have in English and Spanish. And of course, I, I would love to work on that, but I'm the opposite, right? Instead of changing that to English, I have to be the slow, really, really intentional Spanish speaker to, yeah. to I guess, to communicate better. So that's right. That's right. Yes. Okay. The next question I had for you from our audience 
in the past, you've spoken about the importance of being vulnerable. Can you talk about a time where you were vulnerable and how that helped you advance your professional career? Yeah, you know, this is this is one aspect of leadership that that I believe is at the core of, oh, well, being a good leader or, or not. And that is uh, number one is stepping outside of your own personal comfort zone, meaning trying to sort of in, it, it, be involved in a topic that's perhaps new to you and listening to those that are perhaps expert in that topic. So, I, you know, I, I try to make it a practice every day to put myself in a position of vulnerability. And by the way, a position of vulnerability that provides, you know, the possibility of failure. I'm not saying you should, you know, fail. What I'm saying is, look, if you don't put yourself in a position where failure is an option, then perhaps you're sitting too, cl too closely to your comfort zone. And so if you're listening to me, I would encourage you, I would challenge you to think about uh, ways that you can go outside your comfort zone. And if I can make it just a super small plug for the sustainability work at the Americas, if you're interested in that and you want to join our community, even if it's outside of your expertise, please join us. Okay. So the other part of, of the question is, if you're in a position of leadership, create a safe harbor for others to become vulnerable and to provide their input, even if they're not necessarily uh, subject matter experts. Uh, so create a safe harbor for discussion so that we all can jointly and collectively be in a position to come out of all our, our, our comfort zones. So I, I, hope that, wow. I hope that makes sense and hope that Yeah, no, I think it definitely does. I think even you're, you're sharing your story, right, of your stepfather, and how vulnerable you were until, you know, he kind of mentioned those words to you. I think, thank you for sharing that. Okay, one more question. Actually, we have two more questions from our guests. Uh, what advice would you give your younger self? Yeah, of course, I, I think about this occasionally. You know, I think we're very hard on ourselves when we're young, especially if we're driven, as I suspect all of you are, because of where, what you've achieved. I would just simply say, love yourself more. I was very, uh, very hard on myself early on, you know, and it's okay to drive yourself, whether on the sports field or whether in the academic setting or in the professional setting or in your community. So absolutely continue to sort of drive and aim high and, as I said earlier, become vulnerable. But if you fail, or let me say that differently, when you fail, mm -hmm. embrace yourself, congratulate yourself for the experience, learn from it, and move on so love yourself celebrate yourself you have a lot to celebrate especially as i said earlier given our sort of joint heritage celebrate yourself celebrate your family embrace yourself you know i meditate every day for 45 minutes and that's the opportunity that i'd sort of take to embrace myself and refresh myself and celebrate myself know that, that I find a small, quiet place at home, reserve that spot for myself and the family knows that. And I take that mm -hmm. moment and those 45 minutes to simply just reflect on me. I would encourage all of you to do the same, whether it's through meditation or whether it's riding a bicycle or whether it's taking a run. Love yourselves. When you get to be slightly older, perhaps, or, you know, at my age, you will find that reboot, if you will, to be enormously valuable. Wow. 
Yes, I, I'll take 45 minutes to myself any day. I'm going to sneak that in yeah. uh, with my little kids. <laughs> Mommy's got to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So my question was only because I love quotes is, what is the quote you live by? Yes, um, th this is one that I actually have used and, and actually it's on my Facebook page and I will read it to you. That's okay. Mm -hmm. It goes as follows. The thought manifests the word. The word manifests the deed. The deed develops into habit and habit hardens into character. So watch the thought and its ways with care and let them spring forth from love born out of compassion for all beings as the shadow follows the body, as we think, so we become. And that's from Dhammapada. Wow. It's been my pleasure to speak with you, Sal. I take away a couple of messages. It's okay to be vulnerable. Love yourself. Celebrate. Find a small, quiet place. And really what you think is oh, who you are is what you become. And so with that, Sal, I just want to say thank you so much for joining our podcast you and I and others are here to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month. And with that, we do it together. But we like to bring forth folks that we can look up to and really admire. And we do that, you know, with various folks. But when we find a Latino, um, very well established, vice president of a company, we really want to know how he thinks, what are his values, and how he grew in that career. And so I really appreciate you coming on. And I thank you for your time. Muchísimas gracias, Giselle. Un gran abrazo. Hasta luego. Bye-bye. Oh, wow. It seems like we've come to the end of another Cap Gemini North America Corporate Social Responsibility Podcast. Again, I'm Janet Pope. And on behalf of the entire North America CSR team, I'd like to thank you for listening. If there's a specific topic on diversity, digital inclusion, or environmental sustainability that you'd like us to cover, please comment in the podcast channel. We want to hear from you.